was until I heard it. And as soon as I heard it, I knew it was like hit me. Like I sat there. I remember I was with a woman. When she never went back, but I went to see the lady two more times that weekend. And I found it. I didn't know anybody, and I just heard about this lady speaking in Berkeley, and they hit somewhere. And, and I went there with my old girlfriend Wendy, and she both we both there. She never went back, and I went back two more times that week, and I just got engaged from there. When that lady shared, I realized the first one of the first things that hit me was I was listening to her, and I realized I've been looking at states of mind, thinking it was me, my real innate state, looking at states of mind. I didn't know that that was a state of mind. Yeah. So my my uh, my content and context was a very small, very very. Large content, very very small context. Yeah, I kept seeing. Well, maybe it was even the other way. I believed there was a solid something real me that was recognizing different states of mind that was driving this me crazy. But I didn't see that that was a state of mind. That whole position of being authentically Paul was a state of mind. So when I heard her, I'd been living, let's say, in this sort of circle. As soon as I heard this lady speak, my circle doubled. It just went, <clears throat> and a lot of stuff that had been excluded had now was included. I started seeing, like, instantaneously a whole lot more. Yeah? And so the scene got cleaner and clearer because it was less diluted with an identification as what was seeing. There wasn't. There was just the scene. And more and more, that scene got clearer and cleaner and less and less like draped in conceptualization. Yeah? I saw after about four or five times of believing I was the authentic self, seeing the activity of selfing, I realized there is no authentic self. So as soon as that happened, whoosh, the context just expanded into this huge space, which really allows you see, to see the smallness of the content. Really. When the context is very small, the content seems really big. You're totally consumed in the content. That's when your mind is just totally enveloped in I, me, mine. Because that's all of it. That, it believes that's the context. It believes the I, me, mine is the context that's struggling with the content of its life. It doesn't realize that I, me, mine is part of the content. The context is silence. It's not touched by anything going on. It's the only solution to all the quote-unquote dilemma of being identified as a content. It truly is. To me, maybe there's another one. I haven't found one. But this, the sense of the context is the solution to the importance of the content. When you get the sense of the context is huge, the importance of the content shrinks. When you think all there is is content, then its meaning is huge. And the context is forgotten. And your context is now you as being in the, going around in the content of soup, yeah? Thinking you're sort of separate from it. But no, 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 no. It's a false context. So I started to listen to these people and not ever thinking about it. Yeah, I guess a little bit. I would make plans to go see them. And I'd hear another person was speaking. It wasn't a big movement at the time, I don't think. 
but I went to a couple people. One lady, I couldn't even hear her when she, she was very soft-spoken. It was mostly just sitting in some park in Berkeley, and I could never even hear what she had to say because she was like as far as Craig, but she was very... But I liked the energy. It felt, you know, I sat there. And I heard some people that really resonated with me, and, and the sense of when I was in that room, the sense of presence was thick. Yeah. Totally, totally fill the content with the sense of context. That's really nice. And so then it just just started going off. And that's why I like the word entertaining, because it's just that. See, if you're entertaining the content, it doesn't do justice to your ability to entertain, because it's finite and an appearance and actually not substantial. But if that ability to entertain entertains something that's infinite and is substantial, it really, really juices you up. The mind that has a tendency to be asleep and, let's say, lazy and just doing the same old, same old, okay, let me, what, can, what, what fears can I entertain today? What disappointments can I entertain? What saviors can I hope for? These are just minor, like little, very small loops of entertaining. But entertaining con- content text, yeah? entertaining infinite, entertaining everywhere will it can keep your mind happily busy yeah so it doesn't get sick and tired of the same old same old and get that disgusting little indifference or cynicism and start shrinking in on itself and being right about how terrible it is it's because it gets bored I imagine but when it's pointing and entertaining all of this it's very it can never st- It'll never end. It'll never get to the point where there's something to stop entertaining, because the entertaining is infinite. Once you enter that realm, there's no end to it. Yeah. Once the mind gets turned away from reflecting selfing all day, which is such an archaic, small, finite system, and starts reflecting that, it match. It meets its match, so to speak. The mind reflecting infinite. Is what, how, is what comprehends peace and no serenity. It's a mind that's doing that, not a mind that's reflecting self. It's definitely not. So when the mind is freed from that constant reflection of selfing all day, look at what happens when you do something. Yeah? How much so you have, all right, you're doing an activity, even something you love, working with stone or sex or doing this or doing that. Maybe at those moments, all your interest and attention is grabbed by that. Yeah? But in most cases, all day, no matter how much interest and attention you're putting into whatever you're doing, there's more unconscious interest and attention put on you, the doer of it. You know, there'll be certain things that will be what we call peak experiences that will let you forget that, where your interest and attention goes totally into what you're doing surfing for me or something like that. And there's an engagement and a real living at that moment, yeah? Because you're, you're fluid and you're verbing, you're, you're being, that's the act of being. But I'm telling you, most, pe- most, most daily activities with the sense of being the doer, the most of the attention and interest is going to the doer, not the doing. And when you go to the doer, which is a mental product, you enter the mental realm. And then you 
you entertain, I don't have to be doing this. Or you entertain, I could be doing this a lot better. And then you, and then you just kill it. You kill whatever you're doing by thinking you didn't have to do it or you did it better once before, you should have done it better yesterday, and on and on and on and on and on, selfing, selfing, selfing. Yeah? How can a moment really be entertained if it's bookended with past and future? There's no fucking way. If you, sense, if you believe you're the doer and then you're doing something, that, that doing now has been injected with time. And your mind thinks, I don't have to be doing this. Or I could have been doing something different than this. And it brings about all these false options, because you're doing what you're doing at that moment, as if to exclude you from that basic fact that the doing is going on, and you get into a mental realm entertaining all the options. I didn't have to be doing that. If I wouldn't have done that, this wouldn't be happening. I should have been doing this. All of that, what does it produce? It produces exquisite mental suffering, doesn't it? If you go back in your life and you go down that hallway of if only, and you, and you give your mind freedom, free reign to go there, what does it bring back? What kind of bones does it bring back? If only, if only I wouldn't have walked across that street, I wouldn't have got hit by the car. But you did, and you did get hit by a car. Let's remember the fact here. Well, I don't want to remember that fact, because it hurts me. So I'm going to remember, I'm going to remember all the possibilities that could never have happened, but I will believe they could have. So I'm going to go into a mental realm, and I'm going to entertain options when there's no option. Especially about past. How are you going to... How much... You can think as much as you want about something. It doesn't change a damn thing, does it? Except your state. The thinking drives you crazy. And I thought the whole purpose was it was to get you some kind of relief from an unbearable experience. But it actually makes it more unbearable. What makes it more unbearable? To get hit by a car or to think it, it didn't have to happen? I tell you... To think it didn't have to happen will be a much long-lasting suffering than the car hitting you. Seriously. You'll get over the car hitting you, but that can continue for the rest of your freaking life, thinking it could have been different. You could get over a fairy princess, but the mind may not get over a fairy princess. It will be thinking, oh, if only I would have stayed with... And of course it had something that you did or didn't do based... I was playing God. And then there's this idea, which has no fact behind it, which is, it would have definitely been better if I would have stayed with her. (laughs) This is exquisite suffering. It's like being in a giant production. And it just knows how to just squeeze the towel with the last drop of blood. Let's think about it one more time for the 8,000th time. Let me go over what I should have done that night. Oh, man. What do you get? A story. What do you get to be right? Why, how does it serve you? It doesn't. The mental realm mental experience and the mental realm are like a hell in a sense. 
just like when you were a kid, you didn't know that there was going to be a next Saturday. So uh, probably you had no thoughts about would you be playing next Saturday. You were just engaged with the playing that was going on because your mind didn't, hadn't entertained any other options yet. And that was very peaceful in a lot of ways because you were right there because you didn't entertain there could be a then and a, and a and yeah. You just were there because that was all there was. Well, in fact, you were on the money in a sense. That's what, that's all there is. But now, in the mind, it's saying no. It could be different. It could be a was and it could be a willing. Let me go back and see all the wases that are better than now and let's go to all the willings that if it's really good now, I know they'll be suck shitty, so I can't even entertain now as being good because it's not going to last. This is called addiction to mind. Eh? What is going to happen if you're addicted to mind? You're going to need relief. And the relief will become so paramount, you'll basically do anything to get some. Even if you know it's going to produce terrible consequences, it won't matter to you when push comes to shove. Because it's unbearable to be up there, up the ass of self. So now there's all these books and other things just to try to coax people into just getting back into the moment and they give me a break. They're not even shooting for heaven or anything, they just want you to have an experience today of today. <laughs> Up and hundreds of pages and tons of yapping and tons of things. Just this sort of when you see a bird, see the bird. Oh Jesus, that's too difficult for me. All I can do when I see a bird is think about birds. When you hear a sound, hear it. No, all I can think about the hearing of a sound is I'm hearing that sound. As soon as something occurs, it goes right up into the mental realm, and then the big ball game starts. So let's say seeing is happening. Eh, I don't like that. So let's emphasize who's seeing and what they're seeing. Because I can have tons of opinions about who's seeing, me or you, and I have tons of opinions about what I'm seeing. I don't like to see that. I've seen that so many fucking times. I'm sick of it. On and on and on. Isn't that selfing? Does the seeing promote it? No. Seeing is seeing. Hearing is hearing. Feeling is feeling. Tasting is tasting. Touching is touching. Yeah. And at times you have that experience, that direct living. You see something and it grabs your attention and takes it out of your little mental realm. And you see, yeah. Or you hear something and it's so beautiful or unusual that your mind, the selfing, stops and you can't turn it into, I'm hearing that. It's just the hearing of it. Yeah? And the mind gets curious and it's wondering. It's like wondering, what the hell is that? It's so beautiful, isn't it? The whole thing gets suspended and you, it's almost as if something that's been like this opens up. And you feel wonder and awe. And you're like alert. You wait, what is that? But as soon as it's seen and named and given form, it closes up again. Then it becomes a ex mental experience, gets filed away, and then it is used to compare every other experience. As soon as you compare an experience, it's entered the mental realm. 
As soon as, as soon as you hold an experience as a time event, it's in the mental realm. Once it's in the mental realm, it gets dissected, cut up, judged, categorized, compared to. Then, when you walk in a room, you have just all you're really doing is thinking. When you walk in a room, when you're driving, all you're really doing is thinking. You're not thinking, but all there is is thinking. Sometimes when you're surfing, there's just thinking. Yeah? You're with the person who you said you love so unbelievably and would love to give all your attention to, but when you're with her or him, you're thinking constantly. It's like you ever see those dogs when they have a bad mange on the body, they put those cones. If you looked at people energetically, it's like we're all cone people walking around and it's all mental mind just going off. <laughs> I found in my own traveling here, I didn't have to go over every one of those situations or things. All I needed was to find the center of the whole system, which is very easy to find. It's all, all your thoughts are gravitating around it all fucking day. <laughs> is the idea of being a self, a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And I found that if I started to entertain, I may not be that. And I'll tell you, if you entertain something that's true, it will start revealing itself as true as you're living. So I started to entertain. I didn't know if it was true or not. Yeah. But I started to entertain. I may not be that. And by the entertaining of it, life validated that entertaining. I just get getting free samples. Yes. Yeah. And when that was sufficiently entertained and it, its pull, its gravitational pull, keeping everything in place, weakened and it dropped out as the center of my little solar system, then things were totally different. Then instead of all the planets, especially planet Paul having all the emphasis, there was the space context that had the emphasis. Okay? All the constant interest and attention going from you know, piece of meat in the soup to the next piece of meat in the soup, going over and over and over again. Is it too hot? Is it too cold? What soup? Why am I eating this soup? It just got into context. And what occurred? There has been a sense of traveling lighter for a long extended period of time. If this is infinite, then you will be infinitely entertained in the entertaining of it. Yeah? The mind, when freed from the identification with the mental process, with that product called the self, it will lose interest in that and it will turn away in a sense. Obviously, it doesn't turn away. And then its interest and attention will go somewhere else. Yeah. And when it does, that's when shit starts getting revealed to you. Because it's your interest and attention being involved in the idea of being a self that's thwarting anything getting breaking through. Because everything you entertain now, you entertain it as a self. 
And that totally limits the ability to entertain. Because the self is a pre-structured center of a small system of mind. It doesn't have a lot of possibilities. It really doesn't. Yeah? It has a set meaning. It gives things. All from the past. And over and over and over again. Feelings are now put into refeeling. Thoughts are just rethoughts. And it just represents life to you on a mental screen. And you see that whole representation from an idea of selfing, which means everything on that screen is only seen as how it pertains to you, as this. That's a very small movie theater, in a way. When the mind, the big mind, let's say, loses interest in the selfing, by coming across this invitation, no matter how it's been put into your little mail slot, be it nature or this kind of talk or a book or something, a beautiful piece of music or poetry or whatever, you know, tripping on a curb, whatever startles the mind for a moment to, to stop seeing from selfing, but to see with the, with the curiosity, I may not possibly be that, yeah? As if it, when it does that, it immediately extract or extracts its interest and attention from it, and that interest and attention goes somewhere else, not into the black hole of selfing, just to enlighten and to enliven the sense of being you all freaking day. But it will go somewhere else, and that somewhere else, when that interest and attention meets it, will intimate to this apparatus its nature. You'll start getting feelings or a sense of okayness or a sense of being spacious or a sense of traveling light. There'll be ways it's communicating as you. Just like selfing, or let's say specifically addiction or alcoholism, has a very specific way of expressing through you. It's been categorized, it's been written about, yeah? And everyone who suffers from that way of looking at life alcoholically basically has the same thoughts and feelings and reactions to life. A little bit of tweaking here and there, but it's basically a stock version of self-centeredness called alcoholism, yeah? It has, its parameters are small, and there's no way self can get out of self. Because it's a product of that system, so it can't escape the system. Even though it's claiming it like to, but you can't leave selfing as a self. That's why we say you don't have to leave it because you have never been in it. You have never been a self. The mind has never become a self. It's just become identified with the mental process that's producing a sense of a self called selfing to me, a verb. Through the producing of the verb of selfing, it, create, it caught the attention of mind, and the mind has become identified as what it's projecting, which is self. So now, thought, thinking is I'm thinking, hearing is I'm hearing, feeling is I'm feeling, yeah, tasting is I'm tasting, touching is I'm touching, and that is the hijacking of life by the mental process. It's caused us to become unconscious to the conscious contact. 
Because as soon as you, as soon as there's the belief that you're in conscious contact, you're unconscious to the nature of conscious contact. There is no you in the nature of conscious contact. There's just consciousness. It's not a quality that you have. It's the essence of the nature of infinity in a way. Spirit, consciousness, awareness. You don't have that quality as a body or as a mental process. But the mental, the mind can reflect that. Just like it's reflecting selfing all day, it can also reflect that. So in recovery it says, you know, trusting something infinite. What would happen if you trusted something infinite? The return on that trust would be infinite. When you trust something finite, well, how, what's the return on that trust? Finite. You trust it while you're listening to it, but when the consequences, when the shit hits the fan, you realize it wasn't trustworthy. But you keep going back to the well, expecting to pull up some water. So you keep trusting something finite, it keeps demonstrating its finiteness or its it's bogusness, and yet we seem not to be able to come up with a wise decision not to follow its directions any longer. Why is that? Because of the act of identifying. Because what's dealing with the, the reactions or the results of that reliance is the dilemma itself. So self is now thinking about, oh, it's not good for me to rely on self. That's reliance on self. You can't get out of self as self. Hasn't that been proven to us? It's an impossible escape. It gives you maps and tells you plans, but every, you know, every exit door, if you open up and you think you're into a new virgin free land, it's just part and parcel of that system. The system is so small, but it has time in it. This illusion of having time. So it makes it seem really important because it can think of itself as a historical figure and then project the importance of its security into a future. Yeah? But it's only doing it now. There is no, where is the past? And where is there a future? There's no real place called the past and future. It's a quality of a mental realm. Yeah? The mental realm is appearing now. And in a sense, in its appearance now, it is super small and tiny. It's a small content of a mental process. We're taking it to be us, and we're applying our true nature, which is context, onto it. That's fucking crazy. Once you get out of it, you'll see how small it is. It's so small, and so same old, same old. Same old fears, same old this, same old that. It's just on and on and on and on. It makes it seem like it's long because it has a feeling of time in it. It sort of like takes this moment and stretches it. And so you get a sense you're getting a really good life, you know, because of duration and length. But really, it's the same old, same old. Now, where else is it happening? Are you, are you entertaining the options of it being different in the past, but you're doing that now. Your head is, yeah? All of this gymnastics about the past and future can only be performed on this stage called now. It's not a three-ring circus. It's a one-ring circus with two made-up rings. 
So it's doing its gymnastics in the one ring now, but it's telling a story from the other two rings. So the possibilities of these two rings wreck the whole circus. Because you don't recognize the one ring. You recognize it only through the lens of two two other rings. What is this going to mean to me later? And what do 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 whatever. Mind gets agitated, doesn't it? It's driving you crazy. We shared that a meeting yesterday. People who I know had a lot of time and they went out a couple of them on some strange ways, you know. And uh, a number of guys who I was working with, he had nine years, and he called me up for lunch. And while he took he took me to lunch and he told me he'd been drinking, you know. And he thought he was doing it pretty successfully because he hadn't been arrested or anything like that. No consequence of that had happened. But I said, yeah, you know, you may think that's so, but look at how many times you've been thinking about every time you go to lunch or dinner if you should have a glass of wine or not now. Where a few months ago, you never thought about that. Yeah? How much more has your thinking jacked up since this option came back into your life that I can drink now? All the machinations and the massaging of that option by thinking, isn't that driving you fucking crazy? You may not be getting arrested, but you are already in a prison, a mental realm. The mind is just going off. It's like, really, for us, there was a big dog that we had in our house that had the run of the house. It was shitting everywhere, eating all the shoes, demanding you walk it, barking at your friends, you know, letting your enemies in and everything like that. Real pain in the ass. Then we learned how to let it go to sleep through accidents and recovery. And so now we've been given the house back. We have the run of our house in a sense. It's not our house. It's just a painting. And it's really pretty cool. But what happens if you wake up that dog? To me, waking up that dog is when the mind, in a sense, really has absolutely no option, thinks it has an option, thinks it can do something. And it can. There's no way you can not, not drink. You have an arm and a mouth, and you can pick it up, and this place is selling it. But you're not going to have any option about what probably is going to happen after it. It's going to have basic, some basic uh, truths about it. It's going to get worse somehow, probably quick. Your mind is going to go amp up usually. These people, for one event, they spent a whole day talking about it. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of thoughts generated from their memory banks because of one possibility. I think I can drink again, or I think I could do this, or does this mean I've gone out, or on and on and on and on and on. You don't see that as the peace of mind? Peace of mind is when the mind is calm and clear and clean. It's not agitated or flipped out. It's reflecting things quite cleanly. So you see blue is blue and red is red, green is green. And there's a lightness to it. And you travel that way. And there's maybe no scoreboard. You couldn't, no one out who was watching you could see that you've been hitting a home run all day because it hasn't been you. But I'll tell you, you've been in a, You've been sensing that presence that's available only to you when you're available to it. And when you're and then in that case you are of service now. 
because you are that presence and that makes you available and therefore you're of service in life. Yeah. And you can't tell people what it's like really because it's a movement. It's hard to describe a movement if it hasn't stopped. It's hard to describe, oh, this was the dance. How can it be? It's not over. I can't say this is the dance. Yeah? It's just a constant dance. I have no idea. How can you withdraw from it and make an observation of it? And go, oh, well, now I know what the dance is. No, you know it by dancing. Like Ramana Maharshi says, you know God, quote-unquote, by being God. Knowing God is being God. When you're living free from that adornment of selfing, that's what we would call knowing God. There's no runs or hits or scores. You can't tabulate it. You don't have a bank account for it. It's the living of it that's the joy. You can't make memories out of it too well. You can't impress people with it, really. I mean, I'm not going to pick up a babe in a beautiful, shiny, spiritual Cadillac. It's not going to happen. It's just... But it's... You wear it well in the wearing of it. Now, all I can say is this stuff became obvious to me as soon as it stopped being trying to... As soon as the stopping of trying to look at it before it as self occurred. As I was looking at it from self, everything was still very confused because you have to realize once you take a look at it from selfing, the only way you will... First of all, it becomes an object to you and then there's gotta, it's, that space between you and what you want has to be transversed through doing and having as a self. This solution has no time in it and it's always available because there's no need for you to do anything. It's just a recognition of this prior state of all states, which is awareness. And if it's the prior state of all states, it's, in, and it's an essence of all states. It's to be found everywhere at all times with no requirement necessary because it's looking right out of our fucking heads. But it doesn't seem like it... I thought it would look different than this. That selfing once again. Just shut up and let it explain itself to you. It'll intimate itself through the living of it. It can't tell you what it is. It'll be intimated while you're living it. To me, that's the entertaining of it. say the space is in the line that's a better conversation than most people I've spoken to today literally has more to say than most people and what definitely more than I have to say more than most people I meet can I take advantage of it no 
Can I privatize it? No. Can I sell it to you? No. There's basically nothing you can do with it. That's what gives it so much value. The mind doesn't see really much value in it, and that's why it makes it so valuable. This thing's trained to recognize something, but what we are is nothing. As we go along together, we entertain this together. They used to call this satsang. Association with truth. I hope this measures up to that statement. Sat is truth and sound is association. So there'll be a lot of teachings now they call satsangs. The association with the truth has a very medicinal effect for people. That's what I like about repetition. You don't know how it's working. At least in this room, there's a sense of it's working that can go unnoticed a lot of other times or in other rooms. But just to get a sense that it's working, that sense after a while will be applicable to all the time. 24-7. Of course, the head, not having any clue of context, will constantly keep trying to prophesy what's going on. And by it doing that, you see how small and how nearsighted and how uh, unreliable a system it is. You really know the problem by the solution. Really. You really know the problem by the solution. When you're living the solution, you see the problem for what it is, which is it isn't you. It's really good news. Doing this. I've been doing we've been doing this a long time now.